Good afternoon. Hey. Hi, Dan. We are on live. How are you? Hello, Saratoga and beyond. Welcome to the Saratoga podcast in 2023, starting the new year. So hey, I oh, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say happy new year. Yes, happy new year, of course. Happy New Year. So I am joined by my co-host Dandy Federici. Um, our other co-host, Adam Israel, is off in Ukraine at the moment. And so we're hoping that he'll be able to join us. But if not, uh, we have our friend John Kaufman joining us today. John, who is the author and publisher of Saratoga Springs Politics.com, which offers some of the most comprehensive coverage of our local political craziness at this point. Um, and so we have been off for the last two weeks with the holiday, but we have missed a fair amount of city council meetings because they did not slow down in December um, or over the holidays. And there has been a lot going on. Um, mostly, I would say a lot of it is still pertaining to fallout from the shooting in November. Um, would you guys agree? Yep. Yeah. Can, can I jump in with a quick aside, that, that, that yeah. a, a tangent that I got to get out of the way? John, I read on your blog, someone commented that they keep having meetings in the mornings. Apparently, they oh, have a recent yeah. meeting over the yeah. holidays in the morning. Nine they, they've set a record for special meetings. Their last meeting was December 27th at 9 a.m. And I happened to listen to it. It was about an hour and a half long. And they did seem surprised that there was no one there for public comment. And I'm thinking to myself... Does anyone other than like me, who's such a geek, even know that this is happening at 9 a.m. in the morning, two days after Christmas? Like, of course, there's no public comment. Who knows this is happening? Yeah, I, I think I missed it even until afterwards. But I, I just want to get that out, out of the way because I, I caught that. Uh, the people are upset about it and I get it. Well, you know, as, on a related note, um, uh, you can't make this stuff up. OK, so at the last meeting, um, there was the agenda, which was published, uh, you know, on their website, um, had one public hearing. Um, but it turned out that there were actually three, it was supposed to be three public hearings. Um, and uh, Tony Izo came to the mic and told them that the, uh, all three had been, you know, legal notices had been done with, for all three. Um, and in spite of the fact the two of them were not on the agenda. They could do it anyways. Then a voice from somewhere to the side pointed out to Tony that actually the legal notice for one of them hadn't gone out in time either. <laughs> um, and uh, so so there's so like for most of us, the way we find out what's going to be at the meeting is the agenda. Um, yeah. And the idea that that they just left it off the agenda is again, and that's done by the mayor's office is it's like, it's basic. It's basic. I have just as a back, little background for people. Um, uh, Lynn Bachter used to be uh, a hound on these, on, on the, on the agenda. Um, she used to go through it with a fine tooth comb and make sure everything was right. Um, and boy, uh, we miss her. We do miss her. And, and just to give people a little bit of background. So for those who don't follow politics in Saratoga as obsessively as we do, <laughs> um, the city council meets every first and third Tuesday of the month. And they're supposed to have an agenda published usually 48 hours before the meeting starts. So if there is a particular subject that's of interest to you, you know that it's going to be discussed in that meeting and in whose department is going to be discussing it to kind of get a sense of when it's going to be talked about. So if you want to join, you know, if you want to watch online, or if you want to go and comment about set issue, you have advance notice and you, and you know what's going on. 
And a lot of times there are public hearings that are actually start before the meeting itself starts. And they're on issues, um, some of the you know latest ones have been on the affordable housing. Uh, some of them have been on turning Union Avenue into a more um, bike friendly street. And all of the, the issues, you know, both of those subjects, for example, concern the neighbors, you know, in ways that are positive or negative. Mm -hmm. And so the neighbors have been very interested to know when those public hearings are going to happen so they can come and voice their support, you know, against or for whatever's being proposed. So, and, you know, it takes a lot of time and effort and energy, and it's a little nerve wracking to come to a city council meeting and speak in public in front of the city council. And so when people, you know, are taking the time and effort to do so, and they come to the wrong city council meeting or the opportunity is missed, it's really upsetting as it should be. And so, you know, it's incumbent on the city council and specifically the mayor's department who puts together the agenda to make sure it's done in a thorough, accurate and timely manner. And that has been something they have struggled with this entire year. Um, and they've admitted as such, you know, that they haven't been able to get it right. Um, there are pre-agenda meetings that happen the Monday before a city council meeting uh, where the, they run through what's going to be discussed. And I know at one of the pre-agenda meetings in December, you know, Mayor Kim was actually really upset because his agenda was incorrect. They were not all working off the same document. And he said, you know, we've got to get this right already. Like, we have to get this figured out. We've got to get this right. And I'm thinking to myself, my God, it's been a year and you haven't figured out how to get this basic function right. It's just really mind-blowing. I, I reckon, you know, the law has not kept up with the times. I mean, a legal notice. Uh, remember someone six months ago, someone said, well, hey, it was in the Daily Gazette legal notices. Are, are you kidding me? Who, you know, no one reads newspapers anymore, much less the legal notices within a newspaper. Can we get past that point? Yeah, you have to do it because it's a legal requirement. Good. Do that. And then do it 10 times more. I want it on social media. I want it on the city website. I want it blasted out. I mean, don't, don't, you don't stop at the legal notices. Yeah, doing the bare minimum is not sufficient in this situation at all. And and they seem to, you know, kind of throw back to that. And it's really, it's really not okay. And if you look at the city's website right now, they have kind of like a scrolling thing at the bottom with latest news. And and none of it's none of it is timely or latest, as I would describe it. I can I can pull it up right now and tell you what's on there. Um, but yeah, they're they're they've really suffered in terms of communication. Um Let's see. They have as their latest news right now, a downtown advisory committee is formed in Saratoga Springs to ensure the city's future success. I actually don't really know what that pertains to, to be honest with you. The boil water advisory is in effect or is not in effect anymore. That's important. And then right. one month in progress on fire station three shown in new drone image. So fire station three, the groundbreaking was like several months ago. So again, those are the three announcements that come up for me. Um, I'm not sure any of that is uh, really relevant or, or, you know, what people are looking for. They just, they're very deficient in terms of their communication. Although they're big on. Um, I'm going to, I was going to save it for the cheers and jeers section. It was actually a cheer real quick. I'm just going to slip it on the water main break. I think they did a solid job. DPW fixed it, but the communications were not stellar. They they weren't awful. But they things filtered out rather than were blasted out. I got uh, they needed to, the city website had nothing under water main breaks or I'm sorry, boil water advisories. It said there are currently no boil water advisories. I know they got it out there, but when you googled into the city website for boil water advisories, it was blank. Wait, so they, they need to improve that. I'm not going to blast them for it. But, but that, you know what? that needs to be improved. I think that might be because you haven't potentially signed up for something because I got a text message and a voicemail 
when it went into place and then when it was lifted. So did I. I got it off a Nixle. Um, no, it wasn't a Nixle. Hours after it was on Facebook. It was uh, the. I thought I signed up for all those things, but maybe not. But nonetheless, it still has to be, again, much like the legal notices issue, it has to be simultaneously blasted across multiple platforms so there's no right. gaps. I agree. I just, I thought getting a voicemail, the voicemail came from something called Code Red. Um, that's where the voicemail came from. And then to also get a text message about it, I thought was actually pretty, fairly impressive, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I know I didn't get that. I'm not signed up, apparently. Um, they should well, promote that more. And yeah, I'm going to research say, and find, find it. My sources tell me that way back in July, before or earlier before uh, Marilyn Rivers got switched over to the mayor's office, um, she tried to organize a meeting on emergency response for these very kind of issues. Um, and uh, she was usurped by T2, the deputy commissioner of public safety. Um, and it, it died. Nothing ever happened with it. And that's, that's where that should have been, you know, ironed out. But that's, that's yeah. really insane because considering what we went through with COVID and how much information had to get to people and how important it was, I mean, why would you not put a system or a workflow in place? Um, the city does have Nixle, which is great. Everyone should go to the Saratoga Springs Police Department website and sign up for Nixle. That typically has to do with public safety issues, although in the past we have used it for other things. They, um, they did use I, it for the boil water advisory. Yeah. Well, they, they didn't use it for boil water, although they could have, I think. But what no, I, no, they did. They did. They were just late in getting, oh. or at least in my view, it was filtered in like an hour and a half or two hours after it went elsewhere. And my point is, there's got to be a system where this is almost yeah. simultaneous. Yeah, I agree. I, agree. I, I signed up for something with Saratoga County, which is what I was getting texts yep. and calls from. Um, oh, what, what time did you get that text? I got Sunday? this text Sunday at 12.20 p.m. That, um, that the city did a, yeah, I got it at Sunday at 12.20. And, and I got the Nixle at twelve twenty nine. However, it it was on the DPW Facebook page at least an hour to two hours earlier, just showing that the. And again, I, I'm not blasting them; it's not horrible, right. but that right. shows something that needs to be addressed. There should not be a um, you know lengthy gap between uh, notification. Uh, I know. Um, I got all these notices, but I fully drank water at the tap, forgetting about it, like basically the entire time. So I don't know what that means, you guys. Am I going to grow like a third arm? Like, am I going to get some horrible? Like, uh, I don't know. You're just gonna, you're just gonna have this propensity to uh, annoy certain officials in the city. Oh wait, you already got that. Okay, I, I don't know. Maybe it was gonna, maybe it's a cure all for that. Maybe it's a calming. Maybe I got some calming <laughs> something in there. I don't know. Um, anyhow, uh, communication is clearly an area in which they could improve. So there were some real, real, again, marathon city council meetings that happened at the end of the month. One of which I know was almost five hours long, went to almost midnight. Um, I personally listened to that after the, after the fact, when I was like assembling children's Christmas toys, uh, it was really bananas in terms of obviously the length of the meeting, but also the way in which some of the city council members talk to each other and argue with each other. I, I was like stunned. I mean, I was really stunned. It is nasty, down, dirty, and also really nonsensical. and just goes around and around and around and around. 
But um, one of the primary issues that I know has kind of has been in all of these meetings has been the fallout from the November shooting, um, the restraining order, the TRO that was put in place by um, DA Karen Hagan, uh, the attempt from Mayor Kim and Commissioner Montanino to fight the restraining order. And maybe John can fill us in as to how that all turned out in December and, and kind of what happened. Okay. So um, uh, apparently Karen Hagan approached um, uh, Commissioners uh, Montanino and Mayor uh, Kim just before the, the press conference about the shooting on Broadway and asked them not to release evidence or other sensitive in information to the public um, because, for example, um, Broadway was still closed off and the state police were there collecting evidence right at the same time that they are trying to have this press conference. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, those of us, you know, the fog of war, those of us have run modest size institutions know that you can't react viscerally and quickly to a situation as dynamic as a shooting on Broadway. You really need time to like assess as carefully as possible what happened. Um, so it's understandable that Hagen did not want them discussing this before uh, more information be could become available. And um, they, they dismissed her. Um, so she, she then uh, went to the Supreme Court, which in New York is not the highest court, the appellate is, um, and got a restraining order from a judge named John, uh, excuse me, Freestone. Um, and the restraining order was against basically everybody in the city not to discuss the evidence um, of, the, the, of the ongoing investigation. Um, and uh, at that point, um, uh, Montanino and, and, uh, and Kim were outraged um, at an assault on their free speech, um, and they wanted to, um, to sue. Try and be as brief as of assault, John. Sorry yeah. to interrupt you. All right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and actually, uh, can I just add in one thing yeah. as well? While they were being outraged that this restraining order had been put in place, there was an article that came out um, from an attorney who was representing one of the women who was involved in this shootout and I think got, got grazed by a bullet. Right. And he said that he was planning to sue the city because of the statements made by Mayor Kim and Commissioner Monino that the shooting was handled perfectly. And there, this woman's attorney was, you know, pro, you know, putting forth that the fact that she was hit by one of the bullets and not involved in the shooting basically shows that it wasn't handled perfectly. But so my point being, there was already there's already been discussion of litigation, um, you know, against the city that's come out from this from their press conference and from that shooting. Right. So the thing also, I just for the viewers of this, um, it's actually a fairly complex legal issue. OK, it's it, it is complex. Um, they are public officials. Um, and they do have a responsibility to inform the public about ongoing things in the city. Uh, and it's a very high bar to silence them. Okay, very high bar. Um, so it's not altogether clear, you know, who would have prevailed um, when the, when the, there was a hearing then to follow on December 22nd, which was to, to hear both parties. 
before Judge uh, Freestone on the issue. Um, and then what and what happened was that um, Kim and Montanino were just gung ho about doing an appeal before the meeting on the 22nd. Now, viewers, let me ex just bring to your attention. We're talking about a very small window here. Um, this meeting is taking place. The city council meeting where they're discussing legal help takes place on a Friday before the Thursday uh, when the hearing is going to be. Um, and Montanino and Kim presented as an absolute crisis and emergency, and yeah. they need uh, legal representation. So, um, so that they they then begin the process of the of the appeal. Um, what I want, what I think is important to understand is is it's not enough to be legally right. I don't know whether. Uh, Karen Hagan would have prevailed. Okay, I don't know. But when you're going to sue or spend money on lawyers, you usually want to figure out, what am I getting for this? What's the benefit of the city? Yeah, how much do I want to spend on this? Okay, right. because there was going to be a hearing on that Thursday. So the need for this desperate need for an appeal and to spend all this money when there's going to be a hearing on Thursday to discuss it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, and the law firm that's doing this, East Stewart Jones, Hacker and Murphy, which is a very prestigious law firm, um, uh, the partners bill at $400 an hour uh, and Montanino had already been in touch with them. Um, and, uh, uh, and as soon as the resolution got approved by a vote of three to two, um, uh, he said he was texting uh, the lawyers to get started on the case. Uh, Which, I, I'm sorry, I just want to interject one other yes, thing. Sorry. These are all very complicated legal issues, but I just think it's really important to not, you know, take our eye off the prize, which is if they had actually followed the policies right. of the Saratoga Springs Police Department, none of this would have happened. The policy of the SSPD states that information as it pertains to an ongoing investigation, if it's going to be released to the media, it is released by the chief of police. Everything goes through the chief of police. And if Commissioner Montanino or Mayor Kim had bothered to follow their own policy, we wouldn't be in this mess because right. the chief of police understands how to articulate to the public that there's no ongoing threat, but also not wade into you know, these really murky legal waters where he's releasing you know, details that could potentially compromise the investigation. So if that had simply happened back in November, had they listened to the chief who, you know, the, the SSPD who was asking them to not do this, had they listened to the district attorney who was asking them not to do this, none of none of these issues would have come up. None of this money would have been spent on extra counsel. None of these goddamn meetings would have happened that we had to sit through. <laughs> but right. um, it's just, again, a completely self-created problem. John, before you say anything, I, I know you only have a few minutes and I want to ask you because it's sort of like a crisscrossing flow chart going on here. Right. Litigation, threatened litigation, planned litigation. Right. Where does the, all the litigation stand now as far as okay. the gag order that was pulled, the Article 78 that the district attorney may be filing? Could, could you just tell wh where are we today? OK, well, where we are is is that uh, Hagan decided uh, to allow the temporary restraining order against the city to expire yeah. um and uh and 
and submitted an Article 78 um, to the Supreme Court to silence just um, the mayor, uh, and the, the mayor, and the commissioner of public that, safety. That is submitted. That's currently submitted. Before yeah, the it's court. currently submitted. It's going to be heard on, I think, the twentieth of January, but I'm not sure. But it's going to be heard quite soon. But so oral argument on that date. Yeah, but 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 related to that is is when when uh, Hagen submitted the Article Seventy Eight. Consistent with the way she's dealt with this thing the whole time, she sent a courteous letter to the the city and to Montanino and, and Kim saying, again, that she didn't want to pursue this. And all they had to do was agree in the future, consistent with what uh, Robin has just said, just agree that the police chief will handle this in the future and I'll drop everything. This doesn't have to go on. Um, and the response to this, which I found depressing and really upsetting, is uh, the verbal abuse through the media that Montanino um, and Kim proceeded to do attacking um, uh, Hagen was like putting gas on, you know, gasoline on a fire, yeah. uh, just meant to, to and also to get headlines. I mean, they want headlines. They, but they, I mean, also, they, they were also the one. At the end of some of these city council meetings, the council agreed to send a letter to Karen Hagan's office right. requesting right. a meeting and trying to, I think, because of the other city council members' desire to have discussions with the DA's office privately to talk about how they could better communicate moving forward. And it basically came to light that that letter really wasn't ever sent um, and that Mayor Kim and Commissioner Montanino are really committed to battling this out in the press versus having productive sit-down meetings that's important. Actually, just just to make sure your viewers understand, the council voted unanimously. Yeah. Uh, to weeks ago, to to ask that there be a meeting held with Hagen, uh, and it was supposed to have Montanino, um, deputy uh, deputy mayor. Uh, yeah, uh, and 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 Tony Izzo, the city council yeah. member, meet with them. Uh, so they went on record and then the Montanino and Kim just blew it off. Yeah. Um, they, blew, they didn't, they didn't bother to have, have the meeting. So um, where it stands now is it's going to be argued on, on, um, uh, uh, on about the 20th and it's just a huge waste of public money. Yes. And then the other thing that I would like to your viewers to understand is, is we really don't need this corrosive, uh, language, you know, this is not the way we want to deal with each other. This is not the way we want to deal with institutions. It wasn't necessary for them. And I'm, you know, uh, Montanino said any, any high school student would have known uh, about the First Amendment as compared to um, Hagen. And then he said uh, Hagen should, uh, 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 should get a special prosecutor because she wasn't she should. I can't remember how he phrased it. She, she wasn't capable of doing the the, the case. I mean, it just, just it always undermines the future uh, criminal case that's you know, presumably forthcoming. Just, I'm sorry, but we should be leading by example, and this is not how right. you know, these conversations or comments should be articulated to the public. It, it, it's just all ass backwards. But I just because John, I know you have limited time here. Kind of right. want to segue into one of the primary issues that's come out of this shooting and all these discussions, which is the bar closing time. Um, and for those who have followed this in the past, 
There have been multiple uh, city councils and multiple years uh, during which the city council has either discussed or voted on a proposition to close the bars to 2 a.m. Um, the city itself cannot do it alone. That proposition was then would be sent to the county. The county would have to vote to close the bars at 2 a.m. So it'd be a countywide thing. Then it would go to the state and the state liquor authority, et cetera, et cetera. So this has become a very heated discussion with the city and the bars because um, that effort to kind of go through the county and do it in that through that route uh, was not pursued. Our two uh, county board of supervisors, um, Matt Veach and Tara Gaston, both expressed that they were not in favor of a 2 a.m. closing, or if they personally weren't in favor of it, that the county board of supervisors would not be in favor of it all. And it would go absolutely nowhere if it was brought to the county board of supervisors, which by the way, side note is really depressing again, because if you want the county board of supervisors or any other group to vote on something you feel passionately about, you start making meetings and you go and you sit down with exactly. supervisors and you try to make your case and win over hearts and minds. You don't just decide it's too tough and, and not do anything at all. But so what subsequently happened was that the commissioner of public safety, Jim Montanino, put on his agenda in mid-December a proposal to shut down any bar at 2 a.m. that was seeking to renew or change um, their eating and drinking permit with the city. And if it was a new bar or if it was a change to an existing establishment, that change would then allow the city to insert a 2 a.m. closing time for that bar. So it wouldn't uniformly shut down every bar at 2 a.m. It would just in certain instances when this licensing was up, um, allow an opportunity for the city to put in a 2 a.m. closing time for that bar. Um, at that city council meeting, it was actually one of the most crowded meetings I have ever seen in the music hall um, in terms of people coming to a city council meeting. The entire music hall, which is on the third floor of city hall, was packed. And it was packed primarily with bar and restaurant owners on Caroline Street who were incredibly upset with this proposal because it was so arbitrary. It was not lawful that anyone could tell. And it was also completely, you know, it wouldn't have resulted in anything that is standardized. Um, and, it, you know, it'd have a lot of negative uh, side effects, so to speak. And so there was very, very boisterous debate at uh, the city council that evening as to whether or not they should do it. It was voted down. Um, but one of the things that was established was a Caroline Street, basically public safety kind of advisory group made up of the bar owners on Caroline Street that would correspond with the city and other, you know, agencies to work hand in hand to create some, again, more uniform safety measures on Caroline Street. And I don't know what you guys thought about that, but I thought that was a really good idea to have uh, a group of Caroline Street bar owners for, you know, formalized in a group that specifically would uh, be able to discuss public safety issues, you know, within themselves or with the city, et cetera. Um, so that was established at that meeting. And the city council by and large pledged to work with this newly established group to come up with some solutions for Caroline Street. Flash forward to the next city council meeting. Public safety, neither the public safety department or the public safety commissioners reached out to this newly formed group. And instead they have a new proposal as to how they're gonna shut the bars down at 2 a.m. And this new proposal was, why am I spacing? It was voted in. This new proposal was based on, help me out here, guys. What was the second iteration? Well, the new proposal was based on uh, whenever a uh, license, that, that 
Uh, bars have a two-year, I believe it's a two-year uh, license with uh, the state liquor authority. Every two years, they have to re get it renewed. In addition to that, um, if you're a new bar, you first have to go through the city uh, and get the city's approval, and then you go to the SLA to get SLA's approval. Um, what Montanino wanted was that um, in both cases, uh, whenever they had to renew or it'd be a new one, uh, that the SLA stipulate that they um, uh, uh, that they can't stay open after two o'clock. I think that was the first proposal. I could swear. No, the no, that, no, no. The first proposal right, was right. yeah. The first proposal was was really crazy. The first proposal. I can't believe this. Oh Folks, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean, listen, viewers. This is what happened. Montagnier's first proposal was that if a patron in a bar <laughs> left that bar. After two o'clock, and if they engaged in any kind of activity that that involved the police getting them a violation like a ticket or an actual arrest uh, for a misdemeanor or whatever, um, the uh, the bar would lose its liquor license. It's not its liquor license, but it's eating and drinking permit from the city. Okay. It would right, lose, yeah. it would lose, it would lose. It, it would have to shut down for a different reason. Ostensibly it would be shut down. Yeah, that, that, that was begging for a stick figure drawing of, of, of a scenarios that would get a bar shut down. Unbe unbelievable. I, it's, yeah. it's, you know, but it's true. That's what his, his first one was. I think for, again, for the viewers of this, I think one of the takeaways is part of the problem is, is these people are media crazy. Um, there, but I, I just let me okay. just yeah. Let me just finish John, I, I, I'm sorry I interrupt you. I, I know you're you got a tight schedule here. I just want to right. alert you to the time. Oh, well, so I just, I just wanted to read the the last resolution that was voted on. Okay, um, which was uh, upon the city's learning that an establishment, individual, or entity of any kind seeks a liquor license, seeks renewal of a liquor license, or seeks modifications or amendment of a liquor license. The city attorney under the mayor's supervision shall promptly write to the SLA, which is the state liquor authority, to petition them to prohibit the sale of alcohol by that establishment, individual or entity, beyond 2 a.m. as a condition of the granting of any such application for a liquor license or renewal modification or amendment of a liquor license. Right. So I just have to point out the idiocy of this, though. The SLA has absolutely no reason to listen to the city of Saratoga Springs when it's making decisions about renewals, amendments, et cetera, et cetera. Jim Montanino already has a really negative history with the SLA based on his engagement of them over Gaffney's. They were very upset with how uh, he handled Gaffney's and was trying to restrict their liquor license and basically called what he had written like a piece of shit. And so this just says that the city is going to write to the SLA and like ask them to insert a 2 a.m. closing time on whoever's trying to modify or renew their liquor license, I can I can almost guarantee that the SLA is going to be like, "F you, see you later." Like, I, I don't think they have the authority. I, I don't think I don't think state law would allow. I mean, I don't know this for a fact, but it just feels like they they're powerful, but they have to comply with the law as well. Well, and not but, only that, but what would this actually do? This would maybe one at a time shut down maybe a bar here and there at 2 a.m. How would that affect the overall public safety issue that we're trying to that we're trying to address? It wouldn't is the answer. That's but when he came up with this second resolution and put it on his um, agenda at the end of December, he had not discussed any of this with the advisory group that had just been formed, which is what he had promised to do. And the bars and this advisory group were understandably furious. They couldn't believe it. They were like, 
we just all came here and sat through a meeting where you pledged to work with this newly formed group that we're in. And instead of working with us, instead of reaching out to us, two weeks later, you surreptitiously put this new resolution on the city council agenda and don't inform any of us and clearly aren't being sincere when you say you want to work with us. Yeah. And it I really mean, pissed them off. Right. Before, before, let me just say again to your, to your viewers, it doesn't take a genius in this stuff to say, shouldn't Montanino or the city discuss this with the, the um, state liquor authority before they put it on their agenda and try and pass it? Wouldn't you contact them and ask them, would this work? You know, you know what? Would, would you, you support this? Okay. You wouldn't Jim Montanino because you know what the answer is going to be. And the answer is going to be, no, this is not something we can do. But he's not interested in actually making real change. He's interested in having a headline, which is why I think what you were well, alluding to earlier, John. I'm 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 basically in 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 agreement with that. Um, I just uh, all I can say is is um, I find myself as a blogger increasingly shrill. Um, uh, I, I do my best when I write this stuff not to be. But friends, this is bad. I mean, this is bad, um, and. Uh, I'm really worried about the future of the city because there's just much too much drama and not enough quiet running of the city. Um, there, and that's what we that's what we need. We need less drama and more running of the city. Uh, before I go, I would also like to note, um, and Robin can't speak about this because um, she she's kind of target of it, but, um, you know, there was a, the because the of the investigation being done by the attorney general's office, um, uh, Robin and Meg Kelly have both had to hire uh, attorneys to represent them. State law says that if if they are sued regarding something that that was uh, uh, done in the course of their duties as an elected representative, they are they are required they're required to be provided with the money for their attorneys, the reasonable money. Um, so um, uh, for Ron Kim has issued a press release to the media um, on Robin and uh, Meg's uh, bills. Uh, Jason uh, put it very well, the commissioner of public uh, works put it very well, just saying um, the bills are entirely legitimate. Nobody at that table argued that they weren't, Okay. Robin and Meg are having to go through all this stuff, which is really kind of sad and upsetting to begin with. But um, I find it really disheartening um, that, uh, that, that Kim would send this to the media. Um, it's just, again, what they, what they don't seem to understand is, is you, you. Oh, John froze, I think for a minute. Okay. Did I freeze or did John freeze? No, no, John's frozen. Dude, he was really working up to something. I was excited. He's, he's got he's got the lips formed to see something. I know. Let's see if he comes back. Well, Hold he on. he was time. Oh, John, are you back? John, we lost you. He's frozen up again. I'm back. You're back okay, now. You were really working up to something. We were excited. We lost you for thirty okay. seconds. Did I? So you were saying I, okay. sending this to the media. Yeah, it's just what I'm trying to say to the public is, is you can't have this sustained 
ugly conflict going on at all these different levels. It's not good for the city. We don't function effectively. Um, and there is trouble coming down the road um, because uh, we're not functioning effectively. Um, and I'm worried. I'm worried. Um, and with that sad and negative note. <laughs> thank you, John. Hey, John. Uh, we'll have you back again. To wants to know about anything going on with Saratoga yeah. Springs and politics should go to saratogaspringspolitics.com where John's blog is, um, and he thoroughly and, and incredibly effectively uh, covers all these issues in, in great detail. So thank, thank you, you John. We really appreciate you. Thank you. Hey, Robin, my, my final note on all this is you've got two city council members that really are, to a degree, are arguably bungling their job. The other three aren't off the hook. They have to get on them to stop doing some of the things they're doing and find ways to do it. They do have a majority the three of them would have the majority on voting for certain things. They got to act. So far, I have not seen much out of them in uh, checking the other two. I think that they are doing a good job pushing back at the council table. But the fact of the matter is, you and I both know that very few people watch these city council meetings, which is like one of the reasons we do this podcast, which is to watch the city council meetings and relate to people what's going on. But um, I don't see them using the media at all. And Ron and Jim do really love running to the media. And so I think that they're the narrative that's being established by our public safety commissioner or mayor does need to be challenged um, publicly, you know, and that would be up to the other three city council members. And it's unfortunate that they're in a position where they would have to have any of these fights in public or in the media, but the mayor and public safety commissioner are, you know, putting them in this position. And by the way, I might just add that these are all Democrats and not that in the past, the city council has necessarily voted or operated on a partisan, in a partisan way. I, it really hasn't that I've, I've ever observed. But I do just find it interesting that these five folks are all supposed to be, you know, in the same party with somewhat similar ideologies, somewhat similar approaches to city business. And clearly that couldn't be further from the case. Um, I wrote uh, a comment here that I think kind of speaks more succinctly to my issues with uh, Ron and Jim that I'm just going to quickly read, Dan, if you don't mind, and then we can move on. Yeah. Um, I said, uh, they're strange and this, their strange and bewildering pursuits in office have no correlation to the needs of their departments or of their constituents. And in all of their ignorance and self-adulation, they aren't just failing as public servants, they are causing significant and lasting harm to our city's ability to operate successfully and to meet the needs of our residents. Um, Saratogians deserve elected officials who listen, learn, and help make our city a better place to live. A simple concept that Ron Kim and Jim Montagnino just can't seem to understand. And I, every time I go to one of these council meetings or listen to one of these council meetings, there are a lot of people who come to public comment and express concerns or problems that they're having in various areas of the city and in really sincere, authentic, and you know, meaningful ways. And then the city council meeting starts and I see what Ron Kim is focused on or what Jim Montanino is focused on. And I'm like, how can they sit there and listen to the problems of residents who are coming in, articulating their issues, then start the city council meeting and go off in this totally different universe that has nothing to do with the people who have just come and spoken before them, nothing to do with what residents are asking for or what residents have problems with. And it's literally zero correlation to what the residents voted them in for, you know, and it, it just gets, it gets incredibly depressing. Well, well, well stated. And this, this is 2023 already folks. It's an election year in this city. And in a few months, it's going to be petitioning time. 
I and I'm not advocating for a Republican council, but I do believe in two party rule. And the Republicans last time around put up some good candidates and they put up some weak candidates. Some of their tactics with the Working Families Party were just appalling. So I hope they get their act together and put up some solid candidates so we can have some vigorous debate and a strong democracy. And uh, to, so it's on them. And I don't know that they can get it done. I hope so. I will say this. I, I don't think I think because of the voter registration you know, advantage that Democrats have in the city and also because of the national climate, I think it's very, very difficult uh, to get a Republican elected to the city council. Um, that being said, if anyone is interested in challenging one of the current incumbents, whether it's the mayor, the public safety commissioner, um, as a Democrat, they can certainly do that. You can contact the local Democratic committee and, you know, you could primary someone, you could challenge them. I mean, that's, and I think that- As well as the committee's endorsement, theoretically anyway. Yeah, so I think that that is also a really healthy exercise. And I mean, sometimes as a committee, you give someone an endorsement, you think they're gonna work out, and then you realize they're not the right fit. And so they may be looking for alternatives to some of the current electeds. I don't know. I'm not on the Democratic Committee. I can't speak to that. But um, if you Google Saratoga Springs Democratic Committee or Saratoga Springs Republican Committee, the contact information for each committee will come up. If you're interested in running for public office in the city of Saratoga Springs, you have to go through the committees to try to get endorsements or get on the ballot line. That is your really your first stop. So I would encourage people to do that because these committees are going to start soliciting people for endorsements and for these positions probably mid-January, like like literally in the next week or two, I would guess. I, um, I, yeah. And, and we don't know that all five current office holders are going to run again for re-election. Robin, you sat in one of those seats. Um, could, could you blame them if one or two of them said, screw this, I'm done? And, you know, I've, I, if I had to guess, I could guess who's running again. Um, some of the council members have told me that they're running again, although I haven't asked them if I could share that publicly, so I'm not going to. Um, but I personally would like to see Commissioner Golub, Commissioner Moran, and Commissioner Songvi run again. Um, I think they've done a good job, or in some cases a great job, and I think they should all uh, run again. That's just short of endorsing them and saying, yeah, but I did that qualified. They should run again. Absolutely. Probably in the end, I, I would, I would say they should all be uh, reelected, but at this point I agree with you. I'd like to see them run again. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed with Ryan Kim. I like Ryan Kim. We have, you know, decent conversation and so forth, but his performance in office has been uh, at best uneven. And Jim Montanino has, has been less, less than uneven, worse than yeah. uneven. Um, Jim Montanino has actually a spectacular list of failures. I was I was going through them over the last year. It's really remarkable. Um, but speaking of actually successes, one of the things I also wanted to talk about that happened in December um, was the participatory budgeting um, kind of project that Commissioner Songvi had started when she was in office. And I have to say, initially when I heard about this, I was totally a naysayer. Basically, the proposal was to take $100,000 of the city's budget and then allow residents to join the committee and decide on projects that they would like to fund with that $100,000. Initially, again, I was like, this is garbage. This is taxpayer money. We already have a participatory you know, process for, for our budget. However, I have totally done a complete 180 and I'm actually like a huge fan of this participatory budgeting process. Um, and Dan, I don't know how close you followed this, but basically what happened was people were able to submit ideas of things they wanted to be funded to the committee that had been formed to decide what projects would be put up for a vote for this participatory budgeting. 
Um, and in December, they put out, let's see, one, two, three. Nine. Robin, one of those was mine. So I'm, I'm very familiar oh, with really? it. I submitted the, the curling proposal. Oh, no so, way. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, luckily it was picked and it had the least votes, but they were all picked. Thank God. So I'm uh, dear, near and dear to my heart, what you're talking about. Keep going. So basically what happened was that um, in December, they um, publicized that there were nine different projects that could be funded. And city residents could go on the website, city website, and vote for the project, the top three projects they would want to see funded. And I showed my kids. My kids were, like, so into it and, like, talking about the different, you know, options of projects that could be funded. At the end of the day, all nine projects were funded because the cost of each one of them altogether did not uh, exceed $100,000. And so I just want to read off the projects that were funded, which, because I think they're all really cool. Um, the first one is Sustainable Saratoga's Urban Forestry Program. The second one, which my kids like were so excited about, and I am also so excited about, is outdoor ice skating at Congress Park. Yes, which, yes. I'm sorry, it'd be so cool to have just like a, you know, all the time ice skating like, range. Yeah. How has it taken us this long to do that, right? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, the next one is a community garden in Jefferson and Vanderbilt Terraces. The next one is a Create Community Studios Youth Art Program. Then there was Native Flower Planting. Saratoga Arts and Homemade Theater, Broadway Live Musical Theater, Bikeatoga Community Free Bike Repair, and then Saratoga Dog Park Water Fountain, and then yes. a curling, a pilot program for curling. And so all of those were funded, and I think they're all really dynamic and interesting and neat and engaging and all help make our city a better place to live. I, I, absolutely. I, I, I love that idea, too. I was not as much of a naysayer as you were, but I was sort of like indifferent. And yeah. now I'm, I'm just, you know, give credit where credit is due to Commissioner Sungby. Um, that is absolutely th thrilling. I love yeah. it. And it's not just because it was one of my own uh, submissions that was picked. Um, so all, all of those, like you said, all of those are great and they're diverse. They're different. Um, and uh, that I, I'm, I'm psyched. And I think they, they mentioned in the city council meeting where this was being voted on, they mentioned that, um, they were expecting maybe 500 votes to come in um, in total for these projects because they were really gauging how engaged the community was going to be with this. And I think they ended up receiving like over 900 votes. So they were really excited at how much interest that had peaked within the community. Um, Nora Brennan is also the head of this participatory budgeting committee. Nora is a freaking rock star. I would put her in charge of like literally anything in my life. She's so uh, just talented and smart and, and good at doing this kind of stuff. And she answered some questions from people in terms of like how the voting process went, why there was voting when they ended up funding everything. And all of her answers completely made sense. And I'm really excited to see what they end up doing next year. I, uh, that, that's, I'm glad you, I'm glad we, we talked about this today. Uh, I'm glad you brought, made that one of your topics. Thank you. Thank you. So aside from that, I just want to say, I really feel for the bars right now and the attacks that they're kind of having to deal with from city hall and the way in which Jim Montanino uh, is going after them and how nasty and surreptitious he's being about it. Um, I live, you almost everyone knows this. I live on Caroline street between Henry and circular. So I can basically like somersault to the bars and we lived there for almost 13 years. I know almost every bar owner and we all really want the same thing, which is for people to be able to come here, go out and be safe. You know, the bars don't want problems. They're, you know, the neighbors don't want problems. We all want the same thing. And to achieve that, we all need to work together. Everybody needs to work together. And so it's just upsetting to me 
I can I can't even imagine how upsetting it is to the bars that the head of our public safety department would take such a different approach and would just be unilaterally trying to come up with weird ways in which to get people to shut down at 2 a.m. as opposed to working with them. It's just really disappointing. I, uh, I, I, I don't go as far as you want that because I always try to temper my uh, criticism of any public official, even Jim Montanino, who I've had you know, uh, some disappointing uh, views of. Um, but I, I generally agree well together, with Dan. What's that? That's why we work well together. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we we always say we don't want to be totally parroting each other. Otherwise, it'd be it's not good. It's it wouldn't be good for this podcast. It wouldn't be good for for the, you know the uh, the the uh, the good of the city. We we should have different viewpoints. And folks, we say this all the time. If you want to have five minutes with us on, you know, John's a regular guest, so he gets more time. But if you want to talk to us, you want to disagree with us, you want to tell us we're full of uh, uh, crap. Um, fine. Uh, get, get a hold of us. Uh, um, there you go. Info at TalkingSaratoga.com. Um, one quick other thing that I wanted to touch on before we wrap up this hour. I was very excited to see how this kind of newly revamped New Year's Fest was going to go. And I have to say, hey, you're stealing my cheer. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. I, I'll just I'll just I'll, I'll just nod. Yeah. So I'm not a big New Year's person, um, but I have four kids who are little. And they were so pumped about the 6 p.m. fireworks. And yes, we yes. all went out and we stood in front of the fire station on Lake Avenue and watched the fireworks. And they were freaking awesome. They launched them off the top of the parking deck, the city center parking garage, which was so much better than Congress uh, Park was in terms of like a place yes. to launch the fireworks. So many more people could see them. They didn't have to have them uh, go off so low. So it wasn't yeah. like so noisy. I'm like, uber noise sensitive. And this is like the first time I've been able to successfully watch an entire fireworks show. Um, but they were just spectacular. My kids love them. Their friends love them. And it was just, it was just an awesome way to celebrate the new year. Um, yes. Go ahead. Yes, I, right. I didn't go to any of the other music and all the other stuff I know that was going on. Did you, Dan? Because you're like me. You have kids. I didn't. I went to the fireworks and nothing yeah. else. They same, had a sleepover. Same thing, yeah. I want to mention uh, Robert Millis. Uh, and Commissioner Dylan Moran, I think they were the two that spearheaded this with with uh, yeah. Todd Shimkus from the chamber. Uh, there were probably many more, and I'm sorry that I'm not including you. But um, you know, good good for these uh, these guys to have the vision. Lots of people have visions. Few can uh, deliver on the visions. There was an article in the Times Union uh, today, I think it was, or yesterday, um, and it quoted a few people. I'm gonna I'm gonna read Commissioner Dylan Moran's quote. It far exceeded our financial hopes. Moran said, "People loved the fireworks." Uh, Broadway had a festival feeling. People were going from one location to the other, eating and shopping. Jeffrey Gaines at UPH played to a full house. That show exposed that beautiful facility to tons of people who will go back there. Um, all, all good. A shot in the arm for the local economy. Uh, gave people like you and me and those that attended the music a great option. I'm already excited for next year. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I concur 1,000%, uh, Robin. I have to say, you know, I know sometimes I come across really negative on this podcast in terms of talking about our city officials, or I seem like very entrenched in my positions, but I promise you that is not the case. I evolve, my belief systems evolve constantly. And Dylan Moran is a perfect example of that. Dylan and I were like, like this before he took office. And since he's taken office, I've just been incredibly impressed with how much he's gotten done. You know, he made a lot of yes, campaigns. And he is checking them off. He's going down the list. He's delivered on all of the campaign promises he's made and more. Um, he's really a man of action. And, and he and I have established a really positive and productive relationship. 
And I am just uh, very thankful that he's willing to continue, you know, serving um, when we need people who are focused on productivity. And I mean, at the very least, delivering on campaign promises. So I think he's done a fantastic job. And this is just another example of a successful project that he's worked on. Oh, good, good for you. Um, I have one final comment. Are, are, are we are, are we done with this segment? I, I want one. I want to segue yes, into something. Final comment. Um, uh, those of you, most of you know, I'm from Buffalo, a suburban Buffalo, and and Robin, you're a Buffalo Bills fan. We would be remiss if we did not mention Buffalo Bills safety Demar Hamlin, who suffered a devastating, uh, that close to death injury in Monday Night Football against the Cincinnati Bengals. He's still not out of the woods. He's in, you know, uh, induced coma in, in Cincinnati's uh, trauma hospital. Uh, trauma level hospital there. He has improved slightly in the past uh, 24 hours. He needs less oxygen. Apparently he's at 50% now when previously he was at hundred. So at least it's, you know, he's far from out of the woods. We don't know wh- wh- whether he's going to make it through what he's going to be like wh- if he does get through. But the fact is it, it trended a little bit in the right direction. So uh, uh, thank the Lord for that. Um, you know, in Buffalo has a connection to Saratoga. The Buffalo Bills were conceived here in Saratoga Springs. Uh, I wrote about it. I talked about it, Robin. I'll, I'll, I'll send you the link if you can post it again of how the Bills were conceived here. It's it's New York State's only team, certainly upstate New York's team. I respect all the Jets, Patriots, Giants fans, and other fans here. But this is more a Buffalo town than it is any other city. Uh, regardless, the whole NFL, the whole whole country, whole world, really, uh, sports world anyway, is 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 behind uh, uh, Demar Hamlin. Uh, uh, God bless. Say a prayer for him. Yeah, I agree, and th- thank you for saying that, um, Dan. I think it really needed to be said. I, I feel the same way. Um, uh, my daughter and I, as you know, are going up to see our first Bills game on Sunday, and uh, we're really excited to go there and cheer and 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 see the Bills in action. It's very special, but there's also, you know, this is a, there's, you know, this other element just makes it uh, that yeah. much more kind of, I don't know. The, the, this may be one of the most monumental home games for the Buffalo. It's your first one. And, and it's the, the emotion in that stadium that day um, is, is, is I, I think it's going to be incredible. I think it's going to be positive. Um, I, I, I hope so, but there's still going to be some, you know, level, I don't know, trepidation. They haven't played football since. Uh, it's not going to be easy. It's, yeah. uh, so God bless you for being there. It's, it's going to be a double experience. You're going to get presumably a great sporting event, but there's the element, uh, some of it's an element of the unknown, of, of the emotion there. I hope it's all positive. I, I hope there are no injuries to, of note in the game uh, uh, and so forth. Well, you said before that you have respect for like the Giants, Jets, and then I think you slipped in Patriots fans. Uh, the Patriots fans, Patriots fans. Patriots fans. <laughs> like Patriots fans, get the f out of here. Not, no, I, don't, <laughs> I don't share Dan's sentiment there. Jets, oh whatever. Giants, you know that's my team. Um, but Patriots, forget about it. Forget about <laughs> it. So, do we have any cheers and jeers for the week, Dan? Well, just the one that you and I agreed on with New Year's Eve. I earlier I mentioned a, a qualified. Cheer, not a jeer, a cheer to the city for the response to, to the water, uh, uh, yeah. for, you know, the water break and the boil advisory. Um, again, a, a few a few changes to the communication process, but that 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 will come. That's fine. They, they will work on that. I think I've already saw something. Somebody mentioning we need to uh, do a review. So they do need to get a review and, and, and at least tweak, maybe change some things and improve on it next time. So that, that's it for my my cheers. A uh, couple cheers this week. Um, well, you already heard my cheer. I, you know, I cheered firework. I mean, actually my cheers and cheers this week are really obvious. I basically just discussed them already. My cheer was for the fireworks. My cheer was for 
you guessed it, the mayor and our public safety commissioner. By the way, I'm still waiting, Dan, for that, my, my belated birthday present, which was uh, you had allegedly framed a picture of Jim Montanino for me, and I'm still waiting for it. Where is it, buddy? I, I, yeah, I got to find it. I've, I've been standing wall space back here, but, you know, put it up, feature it, you know, prominently during our podcast, but uh, I don't see it. Okay. Um, Man, you remember things. I know. It's a blessing and a curse. So um, our co-host, as I mentioned, I think at the top of the show, Adam Israel is in uh, Ukraine and Poland right now. And we are hoping to have him um, live stream with us, you know, next week. But obviously the internet coverage where he is, is understandably spotty. So just want to say we miss you, Adam. We love you. Stay safe. And, and the great work you're doing there. This yes, is like the fourth or fifth trip the there. In, in a war zone, folks. He's he's you know he was in Poland in previous trips. Now he's been venturing into the Ukraine. So God bless him. Yes. Yep. Um, and on that note, we will see you next week. Thanks for watching, folks. Thank you, Dan. Thanks, everybody. Oh, find us on. By the way, everywhere you watch podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, uh, YouTube. Uh, we are everywhere. So Twitter. We, we're on Twitter. Twitter. Yes. Watch, subscribe, share, um, and thank you for joining us. Thanks.